Nido has arrived. Uh, Nido is going to be making this podcast even uh, in more interesting because Nido is on the early morning radio show uh, making a mini edition uh, of uh, Hacker Public Radio at five uh, at five p.m. or maybe at the half uh, half past four. Well, that would be even better, I the guess. The mini uh, version of the HPR for your uh, the your talk uh, edition. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. So that that's a good plan. Yes, hello, welcome here to the early morning edition. Hello and welcome here to the early morning edition to Hacker Public Radio live at home 2013. I'm here, I'm Nido Media and I'm here with uh, Breno de Winter. Breno de Winter, hello. You are here on the event as a volunteer. Yes. You're also here on the event as one of the core organizers. You're even one of the press relations uh, here, just as I am with the Hacker Public Radio and... Uh, but uh, the reason why I wanted to talk to you for a moment is because you also are one of the speakers here. Yeah, it's just pick a wristband and, uh, and go yeah, right ahead. At the yeah. moment you're even uh, the police uh, force of four years ago and you're here for just one day. But yep. uh, let's, uh, let's forget that for a moment. Let's talk a bit about your, uh, about your talk, which uh, you had uh, last Friday, right? Yes, indeed. I, uh, last Friday I spoke about censorship in the Netherlands. And things uh, that the Dutch system will do to you at the moment when you are basically um, expressing yourself in a way that the Dutch government just doesn't like. If you're critical or if you show uh, shortcomings, they will come after you. Shortcomings? Well, for instance, uh, take a journalist like uh, Alberto Stegeman. He is an investigative journalist and... Uh, um, he got prosecuted for showing that the Dutch airport um, Schiphol is very unsafe and he could get access to the plane of the Queen instead of saying thank you or the way of th saying thank you was he got prosecuted. Then there was an appeal, he was acquitted, then they took a tiny little detail of the case to the Supreme Court for more clarification and uh, that tiny part of the case has to be redone now uh, in appeal. Now this all happened in 2007 so just imagine how long he is down the road with this whole story and how much money it will cost you uh, in lawyer fees etc. Uh, basically for nothing more than showing that the, uh, International Airport Schiphol is not a safe airport. It's very interesting. I've heard about this case. From if I'm uh, if I'm mistaken, please correct me. But uh, from what I heard, uh, what he basically what he did was he walked up to the he found out through various means, mostly the internet, where the plane was located, and then he basically just walked there, put his hand on it, made yeah. a picture, and walked away. Uh, yeah. Well, he 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 filmed there actually. He had actually uh, uh, hit a camera there, and um, the thing he got onto the airport with a fake badge, a fake ID card uh, belonging to the airport, I believe to uh, to KLM. 
mm-hmm. and uh, basically nothing was uh, checked. So when his colleague was driving with the fake KLM card, which was not his, he was in the back of the car in, in the trunk. And they didn't bother to check. And he found it out by um, consistent uh, observation of the airport and how they didn't do their job. Uh, with all the observations, nobody bothered to, to come to him. So the airport here was at fault. And, and um, where we have to you know, go through these uh, dra- draconian measures, uh, he just got into the airport and then he got prosecuted ultimately. Yes. The, I got prosecuted myself for showing that the Dutch transportation card wasn't safe. For four years I've been doing research, writing many articles, um, many articles also that uh, the Dutch state um, was lied to by the company that builds builds this card and uh, they made all sorts of promises when it turned out that the card could be hacked. They made all sorts of, of promises and they were all lies. They were simply not true. And I showed that. And when I did that, at that point, um, uh, basically, I was told to come to the police and uh, was sa- facing six years in prison for me as a journalist doing my work. So, um, Yes? What uh, did they charge you with, if I may ask? Uh, they charged me with um, hacking. And they charged me with um, um, having tools to hack. And they charged me with uh, manipulating a value card. Ultimately, the, to my aid came the European Court of Human Rights because they had uh, earlier verdicts that forbid a state to prosecute the journalists under certain conditions, and then um, uh, under certain conditions, and then basically that 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 was the end of the case. So I never ha- had had to go to court. But uh, Stegeman did. Uh, Henk Kroll, uh, a digital il- um, illiterate um, person who is member of parliament, but is also a journalist, showed that a medical system was failing and it was showing medical information. And it was only protected with five numbers. And the passwords were, were the same five numbers. And then the, the, the public prosecutor called that top-notch security. So a five-number PIN card is a top-notch security system in the Netherlands now? Um, for the, dis- the public prosecutor's office, apparently it is. And... Uh, they thought that, that there was not a reason uh, to hack the system. Uh, the court disagreed, but um, he hacked the system twice to show to a television s- uh, system, and he was convicted for the second hack, not the first hack, um, but for, for the second hack. So the time when he went to the to the to the broadcasting stations and he said, like, I can do this, and it works like that, and yep. then when they had the camera on it, yeah, he show should us. Have, he should have gotten the camera in the first place. So it's. It's a strange case, and there, were, there was room for appeal, definitely. He was clumsy. But my point is, um, why why would you bother um, to go after him? Why would you do that? Um, it's just not... Um, it It is not just not relevant enough. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm, uh, I'm afraid I can't really give you an answer which... Uh which is which would satisfy uh, which would satisfy you in that regard? No, and and it sends the signal that if you find uh, a bug in a system, and you go public or you approach somebody, that uh, the, the public prosecutor will say thank you um, by ruining your life. If you're convicted in the Netherlands, you um, will not be able to do a lot of jobs. You need uh, a certain declaration uh, of no obstruction. 
and uh, a criminal conviction would definitely be one of those obstructions. So um, you ruin a lot of people's lives, and especially if you look at hackers, many of them are young people. Mm-hmm. They make little mistakes. They they um, are some th- sometimes a little bit too wild, and when you go with the full force of the of the government, and I I stopped calling government government, but state, then basically. Um, you you um, send out the wrong signal. Um, don't talk about this. This is, and it, to me, it's freedom of speech. Showing something that is not correct is part of freedom of speech. And I'm not the only one with this opinion. Also, the International Court of Human or the the European Court of Human Rights um, um, sides with that vision. So it's mm. it's strange not not to um, not to let these youngsters um, do their thing. And applaud it, you know. And even if they make small mistakes, be a little bit more forgiving, you know. They they do it in in good faith, in, with good intentions. But don't be, yeah, don't don't be too negative about it. That that's one of the things um, that I said. And the other thing is, um, they did try to make a process called responsible disclosure. Mm-hmm. And resco- responsible disclosure. And I believe you have talked about uh, this on other uh, 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 Sorry. You thought about this, talked about this in other episodes, but um, yes, yeah, we there's probably an episode or it, or I will make sure there will be one uh, on a later yeah, time. But responsible disclosure basically means that um, you can go to a company or to an organization, say like, okay, this and this is your problem, and this mm-hmm. and this is how I found it out, and they may agree not to press charges against you. That's basically what what the document states, and then. They give some uh, uh, guidelines where you, what you you should be looking at, and one of the things is you cannot try something multiple times. One of the other things you cannot do is social engineering or a brute force attacking. And the strange thing is that those te- technologies are really, or techni- techniques more, uh, are really needed to to basically, you know, show that there's something wrong. They are the basic uh, forms of attack uh, most of the times. So I mean, brute, brute force attack. That's uh, that's that is the reason why everybody's t- telling you don't use short passwords because a hacker uh, or a cracker, somebody who wants to get into your account, well, he can just try it a gajillion times. It doesn't matter to him. Uh, he has the resources, and he just needs to wait until he has guessed the right password, and yeah, my, that's my the way uh, you can get it. That's my and that's one of the biggest problems within security of course there are systems which are uh, which are um, uh, hardened against such kinds of attacks there are techniques you can do to uh, protect against those kinds of uh, of uh, attack vectors but uh, I must agree with you they're seldom in use and now come to comes the worst part of this document it is totally voluntarily so there's no guarantee that things in practice will work this way and even if a company says, I'll stick to the responsible disclosure agreement, the justice department may still come after you. So you might still end up in prison, even if you show a data leak. And it's not me saying this, the public prosecutor rushed to Twitter to announce that. So it's been announced that, that they will come after the goodwilling hacker. And they need to do so because their statistics on how they fight cybercrime are not really that good. Mm. And in major cases, you see them fail. 
So what was that bling? Oh, that's my Facebook, and hopefully it's a response uh, of of one of the speakers that we want to talk to later on. But let's stick okay, to the no, I'm sorry, radio I'm first. I'm like, what's that? Oh, okay, no, no, no problem. Uh, uh, well, to go, to go back a bit, uh, what you mentioned earlier, you yourself had uh, hacked the 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 OV chip card, and you told me you had uh, a conviction or not a conviction. Uh, uh, Yeah, they they dropped the charge. A charge, yes, a charge. Um, but one of the charges was hacking. Uh huh. Can you tell me what a charge of hacking means in the Netherlands? Because we had uh, a few weeks ago on the Hacker Public Radio, we had a discussion about what actually is hacking, and we were there for, I believe, two hours, and we agreed that we can't really give you a definition which counts for hacking in general, but we can only could only get something which counted for the. For the hack, for the hack public radio group, so well, we're not even we're not even uh, we're, not, we're not even uh, sure of what hacking means within the community at large. It's a What's very, the it's a what very does a charge of hacking mean? It's manipulating a system in a way it was not intended to, basically. And the system is anything that basically has a microcontroller in it. At this point, they want to make it even broader. So that's 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 the creepy part. They want to even go further than this, um, but so far it's um, it's basically anything. So, for instance, let me give you an example. Please, um, if you read the the the, the text of the law uh, well, and you take a cell phone, you're filming on the street. A policeman comes by, and this happens sometimes in the Netherlands. And policeman picks up your phone. Stops the filming and deletes the the, the 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 filming. That would be hacking already, because he's manipulating the device in a way that I didn't want him to do that. So you would be the one who was hacking in that particular case. The uh, the policeman would be hacking. Oh, okay, okay. Since you so brought in just, a policeman, I was just, just making sure. Just to show sure. how extreme the Dutch law is. It's it's people think of the Netherlands as a pretty liberal nation and. Um, I, I tend to disagree with them. It's 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 a very broad definition. So basically, with anything with a microprocessor, if somebody shouts, "I don't want that," that would be hacking. And uh, I one time I one time had somebody who wanted to pick my cell phone when they discovered I was filming uh, something they shouldn't be doing. And then mm -hmm. when he, he he grabbed my phone, um, that would be theft with violence. Um, uh, that would be good for uh, up to 12 years in prison, by the way. But let's not talk about that. Then he, his finger went to the camera, and I said to him, if you are going to touch this camera, I will press charges. Mm. Because you are hacking then. And the, the guy got so afraid that he, he left um, the camera um, with a uh, face up. So uh, every time when he was moving over it, you could see his face, and I had perfect evidence of what he did and he shouldn't have been, do have been doing, etc., So that that's that's pretty funny. So it's a very broad definition. So you're easily violating this. What I did was basically manipulate the system where the card had the chip in it. Mm -hmm. Yes, the OV chip card. Let's yes. let's go a bit into the OV chip card. Uh, what's uh, what's what's the deal with the OV chip card? Uh, we've done a bit about it, but let's let's just go. Well, let's let's do this this the fast version. What can you do with the OV chip card? 
It's a public transportation card similar to the one um, being used in London and uh, basically the same as being used in Boston a couple of years ago and uh, I believe BART in uh, San Francisco uses the same. It's a MIFA Classic chip uh, that has been cracked already in 2008. Politicians were, as usual, um, techno-optimists, so totally in denial of the problem, but um, very... Um, very aggressive moving forward with the project and at a certain point um, there was this hearing in parliament where a professor of uh, cyber security uh, into uh, sorry uh, digital security said this is basically an open wall wallet and then the, the politicians that invited him called him overly negative so there you have it you know it's 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 kind of strange and at that point i decided there will be a day that I will be traveling on this, this hacked card. And I did so in 2011 when um, uh, there was already one criminal case of somebody who did it. And there was also software available uh, for Windows that made it very easy to do so. So what I started to do, I hacked a transportation card. Uh, by yes. okay. basically... Could you could sure. you describe the, the, the process rather than say to I hacked? Because we yeah, are, it I re would yeah just it's very the, the, simple. The steps uh, what I did was um, I bought a card, I put five euros on it legally, mm -hmm. and then um, basically you place it on on um, uh, on a RFID. Uh, sorry, um, no, I, uh, I call it RFID. Uh, My fair? Um, sorry. No, yeah, no, it is RFID. I'm yeah, getting tired yes, here yeah. at home, I guess. Um, and then you try, uh, the thing is, um, with the card, you have to authenticate against the card. So the card will tell you if you had the correct one, uh, the correct code or not. So not the card is um, authenticating uh, again towards the system, it's the other way around. So you can try indefinitely uh, all combinations. And that's what, I, what the system basically does. And because of many flaws, this process doesn't take more than 45 minutes. And then you get all keys that are on this card. It's a 4K card with, I believe, um, 20 uh, uh, keys. And those are called A keys and 20 B keys. And the B keys are for writing and the A keys are for reading. And as every IT person knows, um, that's a stupid difference. Because if you want to write, you have to be able to read. Yes. Well, so I found that out and then I realized, okay, I only need half of the... So um, the software was open source. So with a small adjustment, um, that worked for me as well. Um, and then, then at a certain point, I started basically traveling on it by, by changing the value on the card. And then I realized when I was doing that, uh, I don't want to change the value. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the train, for instance, I want the train conductor to believe that I checked in. Yes. Because you need to check in, and then at the end you check out, and then the system will calculate how much money you have to pay. Yes, and of course, half of the time the, the poles don't work, so you need to check in, except you can't. So you need to, to go to the next station, then you need to run out of the train, go all the way to the entrance of the station, leap your cart, and then go back. And then maybe, if you're lucky, then he says, okay, it's okay. Exactly, it's 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 a hassle. Yes. And, um, so how did you uh, fix that problem? Um, well, I um, altered the state of the card where I was not uh, checked into. I I I am checked in. Mm -hmm. And if you are checked in, 
um, the train conductor won't look any further. So okay, so it's basically it a binary value. I'm inside the no, system. No, no, no. It's or? more than a binary value because you also have to add the train station, add the code, and the, the time that you checked in. Well, I made a little with friends. I made a little program to do so. Mm -hmm. Put that on the card and um, let the train conductor have his way. He thought that I I checked in. I knew I didn't. So um, basically, there there you have it and. Uh, the whole system basically uh, fell apart on that. Now, then I went public with the story, and I did it in two ways. First, um, I thought that I could change the value of money on the card. Mm -hmm. And this was a big bang. This was opening of all the news. Everybody was talking about it. I was in Amsterdam, got on a tram. The tram conductor wouldn't let the tram drive before he could shake my hands uh, to, to thank me. This was, people were crazy. And there was this emergency debate in Parliament uh, that would take place two weeks later. Then the following morning I came, like, why would I check in if I can check myself in? And I showed that on television. Mm -hmm. And now the debate was moved backwards to the day, the day after. Uh, so that was on, on Thursday. And the fun, funny thing was, a debate of, uh, about the war in Afghanistan was moved aside for this debate. It's, they were that nervous. So they talked about it, they decided not to introduce the card, and then later on they decided, okay, we'll, we'll move ahead because the chance that people are abusing it is really slow. Now, the th interesting thing to know is that the card readers, within two days, were sold out in the en entire Western Europe hemisphere and parts of the U.S., so and then they, the politicians were like, well, we don't know if people are abusing the flaws because the software was really out there. You know, I had more advanced software because um, because of little changes uh, that you made for one part. But in general, you know, um, if you were a little bit patient, could wait for 45 minutes, then basically um, you have a cracked card. And a cracked card basically means you have control over how yep. much much money is in on on the card and whether you are checked in, where you checked in, and at what time. Yes. And one of the uh, one a friend of mine, without telling me, when he realized that the debate had move, moved um, to the day after, he was with somebody in the pub, and they said like, "Okay, they don't get the real issue here. They, this is the criminal business case um, where people can abuse it." So what they did, they made a uh, a website called overchipcarddiscount.nl, and they made a fake and phony web shop where you could uh, order cards and. Then somebody tweeted me, hey, Breno, have you seen this during the debate? So I was like, what the fuck? And I hadn't got the time. And it was at a certain point I realized, okay, this is fake. So I wanted to tell this to um, a member of parliament that was standing by me. And he said, like, what, what is this? So I thought, like, okay, it's a good joke. So I said, like, well, this is the first web shop abusing the... And he went, like... Um, I want to speak to the minister right now again. And um, th there was more debate. And then the 8 o'clock news opened with it. And 20, 24 hours earlier, this whole website had never been thought of. And now the joke was ready. And it was opening of the 8 o'clock news. So you, you, on one hand, it showed the tension. On the other hand, all of a sudden, it made very explicit what the problem is at hand. Mm -hmm. what, and what I was fighting. But then... Politicians do what politicians do, so they start to belittle the issue. So at a certain point, the company behind uh, the card said, like, yeah, but it's a very complex hack to execute. And I was at this television station and said, like, it's bullshit. 
you know even an old an old person can do it without any com computer experience you know if you're digital illiterate you can do it so mm. then the the um owner of this um uh, public uh, network said well you know take a reporter show it so we went to an old folks home find uh, somebody who was very old didn't know jack shit about computers and he hacked one of the cards and traveled on it so we showed it the game and then we showed a bug in the in the um uh, telemachines that that where you can charge the cards uh, mm -hmm. at the dutch railway station and it would crash with a, a certain th uh, setting a buffer overflow so Ooh, buffer overflows i phoned the dutch railways and um at first they wouldn't believe me again so I went like, okay, I'll show you. And then I just shut down the entire train station of Utrecht Central. So they had to restart it. And as soon as they restarted the machines again, I would shut them down again. And then they went like, sorry, 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 we believe you now. But of course, it was very funny imagery on, on television when you see people like totally. So that drove the point home. And at that point, um, an investigation was started. It found out that the company had more, too much power in the system. Uh, things sh had, should have been done differently, and uh, basically, it doesn't. The project doesn't deliver what it should deliver. And it still doesn't deliver, if I'm correct, because we're still using the same MyFair cards, which are still the hackable yep. cards, which are still not. Uh, well, they did, are, uh, did they, they are even fix the teller problem? Um, no, they they've introduced a new card now, the the Infineon SLE 66. And that that chip is um, uh, is a Java Java card. Now um, let's not go into that discussion. No, but they let's say not. they 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 basically now detect if somebody is brute forcing, and they they basically make the chip stop responding. I'm still in the process of finding out how they do it, but they are now introducing an um, even newer chip, the SLE seventy seven, and that. Um, uh, can do a different kind of encryption and over time they will switch over time so at the moment if i'm buying a ov well, chip card i will still have the problem i posed was that um if they would have solved it uh let's say overnight so or as soon as possible mm -hmm. that would cost more than 100 million euros and they are already uh, somewhat over budget uh, by 120 million euros so the project is more expensive than uh, than thought of so it failed you could you could argue uh, you could argue that this is a failed project yes but back to my lecture yes 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 i'm sorry um i just thought the it was a good example to walk into and to see what actually happened yeah then, so then the public continue. prosecutor uh, comes after you um, mm -hmm. i'm a freelance journalist so a lawyer is very expensive for me mm -hmm. um and then uh, the thre the threatening way of the police uh, coming after you um, it it has a lot of impact. So right now I I understand very well how nasty it is if the government is uh, is after you, and this makes me very emotional, angry, um, upset about what what we are doing to young uh, youngsters that are basically doing the right thing. So mm -hmm. um, that that that's the whole that and that is the essence of. Uh, censorship that that somebody comes to you and and basically makes you not write or do something 
even though you're doing it in the right mind. And now even the, the company that is behind the overtrip card has said to me that they regretted filing charges against me. But that's a little bit late. And uh, mm. I mean, apology accepted, of course, and, and um, they, they had their lesson. But it's very late in the process. And uh, the thing with the government is it's a machine that is kind of uncontrollable. So I'd rather talk about state because then people remember that um, the state also has a nasty face. They can put pe people in prison. They can hinder them in their endeavors. They can take away your children. Um, they, can, they can do really nasty things. And sometimes it's very, uh, a very complex beast to control. Let me give you an example. There was this 15-year-old boy, Hans Schreuder. He found a floor in Habbo Hotel. Habbo Hotel is a website where you can game a little bit and children come and uh, they, they, for them it's fun. Mm. I know uh, the I know the I know the I know the website. There's just, it, it's a it's a popular target for another group of people yes. who are doing stuff there, which is not really that great. But let's continue with your example, please. Yeah, and and the the 15 year old found a bug in in uh, the administrative module, so you can get the addresses and information of little children uh, very easily. Mm hmm. And. These boys basically, uh, this boy um, basically helped his company. The company thanked him. And the next thing that the company did was like, yeah, we did need a little bit of extra information so that we can find them in the log files. Mm -hmm. So that's what they did. Um, that's what he did. He gave the information to the log file for uh, to use in the log files. Um And they searched the information, and they, then they pressed charges against him. So they were e the company was evil. Now the public prosecutor said, "Okay, I'm not going to prosecute this." Then the company took the public prosecutor to court to force them to prosecute. When they realized that they might lose, all of a sudden they retracted the case. Now this boy was was. 15, year, 15 years old when this happened. And now he's 18, and now he's off the hook. So for three years, this case has been a dark cloud over his head. And basically, for doing the right thing. I don't want to live in a country where we treat youngsters like this for doing the right thing. Mm. So, again, this is the, the, the chilling effect of a state doing nasty things. So that So that is very nasty, yeah, nasty and 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 full of misery. Mm. Yeah, and you had uh, you had a lot of the lot of examples of this happening. Uh, do you have a, a light at the end of the tunnel? Because I'm getting really depressed here. <laughs> no, I don't at this point. The the thing is that that um, at this point we're on a road where unless we start to wake up, um, nothing will change. Um, you can say like we have freedom of speech in the Netherlands mm -hmm. but that's in the constitution and we can't enforce the constitution in the Netherlands there's no court to do so if you violate the constitution there mm -hmm. is n that's not a crime in the Netherlands if Curious. you make a law that is contradicting the constitution that is totally okay because um, as soon as a law Come, it comes into place, it is deemed to be in accordance 
with the constitution. So we, we would need to fix the constitution to have firmer law. Mm -hmm. Or we need to have a public prosecutor that dares to say, uh -uh, I'm not going to prosecute that. Not a good idea. Yes. Okay. Um. I, I have one other example of, of censorship that I really, really want to talk about. And when your show is over, my show begins, I will call this boy and bring him on the radio. But there's this boy, Ilya, who stopped his study when he was at 24 because his brother and little sister had been taken away by the Dutch government. Child Protection Services took them. I've read many documents out of the case and it seems to me that there is a mistake made. It's an honest mistake probably. Um, but the thing that the mother only speaks Russian seems to be the biggest issue at hand here. And okay. The boy filmed when the police came and took the children out of house and went public with it. And when you see the, when you see the imagery, it is shocking. It is really, really shocking. And um, you hear the children cry and they, you hear them say, I want to go to mommy mm -hmm. in Dutch. Yes. Very important because that apparently means that the children do speak Dutch and do, you know... They, yeah, they I know, yes, indeed. For showing this to the world, he was not allowed to see his brother and sister's sister for months. And he started campaigning against what happened here. He got a little bit of help of a couple of journalists. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, the Dutch government just doesn't say why this happened. Now, this case has been ongoing for a year. And they went to the European par Parliament and testified. Now, Child Protective Services just recently has written a report. In the report, it says that the boys are, or the boy and girl cannot go home because of the campaigning the campaigning is not in the benefit of these children so the boy that stands for his little brother and sister now is punished for being public and being open about what happened there and the advice is not to send them home the second thing is he shouldn't have gone to the european parliament so executing his constitutional rights is all of a sudden a reason for the Netherlands to basically keep your children away. That is the sheer definition of censorship. And any journalist should be very, very angry. The only fix I see for these type of issues is that we stand up against it and say, this is not the country that we want to build. This is not the country that I believe in. I love my country dearly. I really do. Mm -hmm. And we, sh we should start beginning to see the consequences of what we are doing. Yes. Wow. I'm like totally flabbergasted <laughs> by the story. It is, it is shocking. And the thing is, we don't think about it enough. Because, you know, if you hear yeah, child protective services, there's always this feeling there must be something ongoing. But it's, it's a machine you start and cannot stop. And I mm. understand what happened here very well. You know, Child Protective Services starts to panic. They don't know what's, what is happening now and how to deal mm. with it. And then they start to make one mistake after another mistake after another mistake after another mistake. And at the end of the day, 
everybody is in a position that they don't want to be in. There are many good uh, people working at Child Protective Services. I've spoken to many of them. I've spoken to judges. They explained to me that they do not dare to um, rule against Child Protective Services. So the family has lost every case. And when they win in appeal, which they've done twice, Child Protective Services basically starts a new case and find new reasons to keep the children away. And, and such a mechanism lacks proper control. Yes. Another example, and that is closer to hacking and why it's important that we hack system and test them over and over again, is Indigo. Indigo is a system we in use at the Department of Security and Justice for people that are... Um, um, how do you call that? Uh, immigrate, immigrating to the Netherlands. And if you um, if you seek asylum, you'll be in this system. Okay, now, so this, this is not uh, the the platform which is like Kickstarter. This is a totally different system. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, okay. a, it's a government system, so a field project as usual. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, um, they have markers, and one of the markers is you're ready to be removed. Now there was this activist um, from Russia that fled to the Netherlands after he was released from prison. He lost his case and uh, he appealed. And were mistake after mistake was made. And at, at a certain time, he got the label ready to be removed. Mm-hmm. So he was imprisoned. They forgot to set the label that he was suicidal. So he hung himself in the jail cell. And basically, nobody was to blame, so everybody is to blame, so nobody gets the blame. And now, because of a simple computer glitch, a person is dead. An activist that was basically just coming to the Netherlands to be protected for his freedom of speech and be um, campaigning against uh, Putin. I think that's very sad. Very sad. Subsequently, they started an investigation. 300 people were also marked removable where they shouldn't have been marked at. So... The system is a massive fuck-up, and we don't realize that we haven't thought this properly through. So, this, this, to me, this is a big deal. I agree, and I mean... And this is why around. I want to see... There are 3,000 people here who are happy to... Well, there would be at least 2,000 of the 3,000 people here who would be happy to look into such a secure system, or rather such a system which is supposed to be secure... Yeah, for and these very kinds of reasons. The people here present would have said, don't build a machine you cannot stop. Don't build, mm-hmm. you know, if you even have to build such a system, that's a different discussion, but if you build such a system, build a system where you have got many escapes, where you check, you check, 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 and check, you know, and where you can't make these massive fuck-ups. But we've got these politicians running around that we need more systems and we need every time they have a problem there's a digital solution mm-hmm. because it, they have no problems or something yes so it ju- just doesn't you know it just doesn't work like that we should really stand up against these things and at a certain point say like sometimes it's better not to have technology or sometimes it's better um to build extra escapes and if you don't know how the system is working or can't oversee the consequences Probably the best thing to do is to reevaluate your, your your opinion. But the thing is with many managers, and uh, I consider politicians to be managers, 
that they they have a solution and then they basically work to, uh, towards a, a common problem that we all should recognize that there's there and also the the fact that you you there is no way back that's bullshit there's always a way back there's always something you can do to show you know once politicians said to me it's not possible to fix computer systems it's basically not possible to have more secure systems because a lot of companies won't do it. Well, I showed it to them. For one month in 2011, I um, showed the data leak each and every day. I called the month Leaktober. Yes. And people later came up to me and said, like, we were so afraid you were coming uh, to talk about our company because we have data leaks and we know it and, and we are not secure enough. These were managers of the company. So I was amazed that I wasn't a target of uh, Leaktober. I've had tens of those conversations. When the month started, I believe it was already 4 or 5 October, all the, um, all the security companies got massive amounts of phone calls. They wanted security audits. And it was, I believe, 5 October when um, several companies announced that they have, hadn't any um, people left to do audits until June of the next year. So all of a sudden, apparently, there were a lot of companies that realized that they should have been doing audits all the time and they never bothered to do so because else there would have been an industry around it already. So yes. I single-handedly created that industry. So there is something you can do as one person, you know, make make stupid managers look stupid. You know, that's the best way you 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 can deal with this. All right. Um, before we close this up, um, is there some uh, last words you would like to uh, speak to uh, the Hacker Public Radio uh, audience? Yes, I think that um, hackers, and I consider most of them my friends, um, they should. Stop bitching about trivial issues um, and start to be critical again, especially towards states. Critical on how they are behaving and they need to be, you know, vigilant because this is the community that can make a difference. Now, we are the people that, that hold the, the key to the future because we understand technology and we understand the dangers of technology. So help each other, you know, and dare to campaign against really big mistakes. Forget yes. about the trivial issues. Start to be angry about the big issues life is all about. Yes. Well, thank you for your time, especially since this is in your show time. So I'm really happy that you had uh, gave me this opportunity. Uh, we will cut this out later for the, for the, street, for the podcast and, uh, well, we'll, well, we'll take care of that. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. 
Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.